It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Well, hello everybody and welcome to our latest Royal Blue podcast in association with Sport Pacer. And after the uh, the giddy excitement of uh, being joined by an Emerson legend last week in Peter Reid, mm. I'm afraid it's back to the tried and trusted this week. <laughs> We've got uh, myself, Dave Prentice, joined by our Royal Blue, Royal Blue regulars, Gavin Buckland and Tony Scott. And Chris Beasley, who has the good fortune to be heading down to Brighton this weekend uh, to watch the Toffees, uh, obviously not by train after the half one. Kickoff time. Maybe we'll discuss that in the next uh, <laughs> next half an hour or so. But first of all, we we'll start off. It's it's been an international break. Uh, we've had the opportunity to watch the Blues uh, for the last couple of weeks. We don't enjoy international breaks, but in hindsight, was it maybe a blessing in disguise? The fact that you know the players were able to go away, join their international countries, and switch off from what was undoubtedly being a little bit of growing pressure at Goodison over the last uh, last couple of games? Um, it's, sometimes when you're watching Everton throughout the season and an international break comes up, you normally dread it, don't you, the England games, and you're going, oh, we may get some injuries, but I think this did come at a crucial time for Everton and Ronald Koeman, a bit of pressure on the shoulders. So I think this has just given that time. He did go abroad, didn't he? Maybe freshen his ideas and thoughts on, on the next team selection. So I just think it's come at a... At a good time for Everton as a football club in general, the players, the managers, and the fans. It was getting restless, wasn't it? But this two-week break, I think it, it's helped. It has helped. We're looking forward to Brighton because if we were to play Brighton straight after that defeat against Burnley, we, if they do no international break and we wasn't weren't to get a result against Brighton, it could have turned nasty. So I just think it's come at a crucial time for everyone, the players, the managers, and the fans. Um I agree whether Cumin agrees with that, I'm not mm. sure, because it gives two weeks of basically people can just give him a stick for a fortnight. He yeah. can't do can't do anything about it. He hasn't got a game. It supply. has increased the focus on him. And hasn't it, yeah. I think from from that perspective, um yes, maybe leave some of the pressure on the players. Uh Cumin, no. Especially in the light of Mercedes comments as well. Sure. Uh, mm. you know, afterwards, uh, after the uh the Burnley defeat. So Manager and players probably two different views. Supporters, I would have rather was playing yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah, I was just rather got playing. Even the way yeah. Everton were playing. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. The I body think... language, the, the confidence, everything. Yeah. I just think after that Burnley match, that's the last thing Everton could have wanted as a game straight up because it was just it, it was horrible to watch. Yeah, I think, but coming back, I mean, I don't know what Chris thinks, but I just think that coming back, he's got like what? Two days with the players. I know yeah. coming on the Sunday's a bit of a touchy subject yeah. anyway, but he's got two at the think Chris, I just think maybe he'd wanted a week with the players after the Burnley defeat. Yeah, he certainly seems to needs to get some ideas across. I was speaking to Kevin Ratcliffe today. He, he thinks that um, it could be actually good to play on the Sunday. He's not happy at all about the game, and we can go on to that, the fact mm-hmm. it's being played on a Sunday, but it at least does give him that extra day to work, to work mm-hmm. with the players. But he thinks at the moment... 
training shouldn't be about trying anything radical. It should be just trying to keep a happy camp and just try and make training enjoyable at, at this stage when things have been struggling like that. So it could go either way. During that two-week period, we like we say, Ronald's been coming in for it and like Gavin says, he can't actually do anything about it until he, yeah. he's got a game. So it could go... I can see both points of view, to be honest, and it could go either way. We just hope that it's obviously a positive one. Kish, would you go along the lines of saying this is the biggest game for Ronald Koeman in his Everton career so far? Yeah, you could, you could certainly make a strong case for that, given that the way that the mood has escalated and changed so much over the last month or so with, with results... Um, it's always going to be a, a big game anyway, but coming on, like say, on the back of that that Burnley result and the way people have been talking about him, definitely. Well, let's talk about the uh, the, the kickoff time then, because it took me by surprise. I mean, when I saw half past one on a Sunday, I wrongly assumed it was going to be on television. You know, always wrong to assume. And uh, spoke to people who informed me that it had been selected as um, a match for potential international broadcast, and so as a result, it was switched to the Sunday. Uh, the only international broadcaster that picked it up is based in India. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what Everson's support base is like in the subcontinent. But Poor Indians, I'm well, spot there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they, they, they will get the, uh, the, you know, the benefit of watching Everson at tea time over there. Whereas for Everson supporters, it's a long-held gripe, but it's so difficult to get down to Brighton for that time on a Sunday. If you're driving, which you'll probably have to, you're going to have to leave you know, you crack a dawn on a Sunday. If you're travelling by public transport, you're going to get into Brighton at 1.17, 13 minutes on the first available service that day. Uh, 1.17 and Brighton isn't in the city centre there. You've got to get another connecting train to get out to the stadium. So you're going to have to go the night before, stay on a Saturday night. Is this the first time this has happened or anything like this? I I can't think of another instance where it's happened. No, I can't think of. It's another, you know, yet more evidence of the disregard that, you know, the Premier League... Uh, officials have for football supporters. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in this because obviously, you know, that this Christmas Eve questions come up, yeah. hasn't it? Like, and that, I mean, that, that there's a massive difference to that because, like, and this is one of the points I wanted to cover, like that, because that's in the route, you know, the contract, you know, like the, the potential for Christmas Eve games, isn't it? Is yeah. But is it actually in the Premier League contract to say we can move games not on Sky or BT for? For overseas broadcasters, is that in the contract? Surely yeah, they're not played. They're not paying the club's wages, are they? I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm not savvy on it, but I'm guessing Sky dictates a huge chunk of the fixtures and when they're played and what time with the Premier League because they're paying the foot the Premier League clubs a huge salary, aren't they? Yeah, but this is not a Sky game, so they yeah. actually don't benefit from this. This is for overseas overseas yeah. broadcasters. Now I've not I've not seen in the current contract, which has got well, there's another year left us after this. I've not seen a game moved for purely for overseas broadcasters. No, unless, the, unless those overseas broadcasters pay, you know, Sky TV or BT, be, whoever. Yeah. But that's you know, a very dangerous. They'd have you know, to pay the Premier League, wouldn't it? Because not yeah. to do with Sky, is it yeah. really? Unless I heard, I heard a story that Sky did. It was a couple of months ago that he did have it selected as a as a game televised, but then it got changed. So maybe they could rebound on the basis that we'll keep the two of them at one thirty. And then, if so, say for argument, say Kumar's who got the sack, then it's a big story. And then Everton, he could have changed it with a month ago. I don't know. It's, it's just not seen one like this before. And the fact that Everton Brighton is at this stage of the seasons, you know, you, is 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 a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. I mean, yeah. you would have like a relegation game at the end of the yeah. season that like yeah. nobody realised was going to be a big game. You can see that, but this is just a, this is yeah. just an odd one. I, think, I just think it's it's naughty either way, isn't it? If, if it had been switched for Sky TV, you'd say oh, okay, fair enough. It's it's inconvenient, but you know it's on Sky. But yeah. in fact, it's only going to be shown in India. Say only 
a billion potential <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. people could watch <laughs> it. But um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's 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 poor for it. the Evertonians. are going to have to have to make that long journey down. Like you say, it, unless they're going on, they're going to have to get up the crack of dawn on the coaches or stay overnight in Brighton. It's going to be an expensive weekend for them. So it's it's, it's poor either way. Yeah. The, the best thing about your piece on on uh, was it Monday or Tuesday day <laughs> was uh, the chance to really have our last visit to Brighton, which was like, some match, by the way. <laughs> you know what? My my abiding memory of that. It's on YouTube if anybody yeah. wants to watch it, and it's well worth watching. Yeah. Everton win two one. Kevin Sheedy scores both. I'm not going to go into the refereeing concerns, but you know, let's just say he's had numerous uh, moments with us in the past. And that was another of his bad days. And as he's walking off the pitch uh, with his back to the dugouts, Howard Kendall's walking out. And you can tell every player on the pitch, Brighton and Everton, wanted to kill him. Yeah. And Howard has got his fingers to his lips and he's just like, shush, boys. Shush. <laughs> and it is his grace. It's a yeah. wonderful image. Yeah, I remember uh, that those in the days when, like, not even, you know, not a lot of away games actually covered on, on local radio, especially one at Brighton. And uh, so consequently, I was following up. And then, you know, on the BBC teleprinter yeah. on, on grandstand. And I went into like I went into overload because because <laughs> things changed that quickly. Yeah. Like you know, it was so difficult to follow. And I've watched it a few times since. And you, anybody's not seen it, I highly recommend you watch it. I think it's about ten minutes long. The highlights. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes, but it's all sandwished it's, into the last like two yeah. minutes, isn't it? It is yeah. undoubtedly the best ending I've ever seen to any Everton game ever. Like and, yeah. uh, it was was brilliant. Uh, well, well, good side back then, wasn't no, it? well, that was part of the, the drama, wasn't it? Because they were on, like, they were they got relegation battles. That was part of it. But went to the cup final, you know, about yeah. a month later. Yeah, he played United in the cup yeah. final. And uh, the fact they had, like, Timmy Mead, who's a former Liverpool player, managing them as well, uh, was, yeah. uh, made, it, made it a bit more uh, spicy, you know, but well worth watching. And let's hope, uh, you know, a bit more drama, hopefully, <laughs> in our favour on, on Sunday. Well, it's undoubtedly a very, very important game now. And, you know, my heart sank when I listened to Chris Hooten being uh, interviewed after their last game at Arsenal, where they committed, you know, they, they were decent, you know, they got beat 2-0, but they had to go. Uh, and he said afterwards, he goes, well, you know, OK, disappointing to lose, but we know that the vast majority of the points we pick up this season will be collected at home. And I thought, oh, no, who plays Brighton next at home? Oh, yeah, it's Everton. So it's, it's going to be a tough one to go. It might help in the fact that it's away from home, therefore the pressure isn't quite as intense. The expectations aren't quite, you know, so as in the players' faces. But equally, it's a game that Everson certainly can't afford to lose. We should, we should be confident about yeah. this, shouldn't we? Yeah. I mean, Brad Brighton, they've only won two yeah. games all season, you know, both home games. But, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued how Evertonians are going to look at this game more as a result or performance-based. Obviously, you'd love the ideal performance and results, yeah. but what are you looking for more? Are you looking for to play scruffy, Win one nil, or are you looking for the players to be playing for the manager? Uh, what more are you looking forward to in this match? I, well, I was picking up on what they're saying about being Cumans most crucial game. game. Yeah. I mean, so in that context, I think he wants the results. He's yeah. not really yeah. bad about performance. But don't you want to see the players actually having a go? Oh, then you can, then you you can relate and marry the two. Hopefully, up, can't you? hopefully that would produce the results. So you have you have both. What, what I want to discuss in the light of uh, of Sunday, I've listened to the you know, what I would say was a very entertaining podcast with uh, Mister Reed. Yeah. Uh, is you know, and, and I, I know he's had language few, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this thing about you know it's time to you know roll our sleeves up and yeah. you know up up an atom and all this type of stuff and that's obviously been picked up by a lot of people and that's something that we've not really seen uh, from Everton this season well, to you be know, honest like, God, we uh, haven't seen it for a good few seasons yeah. even under the previous manager you yeah. weren't that type of manager was yeah. you either is, and I was going to say is is that enough 
is that all we need to do, or is something a little bit more than just sort of like getting on the pitch and sort of uh, yeah, you know going into tackles and things like yeah, that? It doesn't have is to be enough? out and out aggression. Yeah. It just needs to be, you know, a more intense press in all areas of the pitch. Yeah. And that's probably what not, we're not seeing that at the moment. I mean, Ronald Koeman has referenced it himself a few times about a lack of aggression. And, you know, we've seen silly bookings this season, Morgan Schneiderlin especially, you know, yeah. but we probably haven't seen the required aggression, you know, to win back possession quickly, uh, to, you know, win the ball in important areas of the pitch. And, you know, you can put that down to, A, the players. I don't think it is. I think the players are giving it everything. I just think the shape of the team's been wrong. We've discussed it before. But it's not allowing, you know, players to press, you know, in the requisite areas, win the ball, you know, high up the pitch and, and be dangerous. Which leads us on, I suppose, you know, to the shape of the team and the balance. And I know, Chris, you've spoken to a journalist in Iceland this week yes. about uh, Gilfrey Sigurdsson, who, you know, we announced his arrival at you know, Everton in magnificent fashion with one of the best goals we're going to see all season, I suspect, over in Split. But then it's been probably quite underwhelming since then. And, you know, the Icelandic journalists think there's a reason for that. We're just not using them in the right area. Yeah, they say, it's, no, it's not complicated. It, it, it's simple. Iceland's success, and, you know, considering they're a tiny nation, we said, about the same population as the world, <laughs> and they're going to the World Cup. They've just got a system which they... It's a group of players, a basic 11, because they often haven't got a lot of players to choose from. They stick to that same team. They stick to the same kind of formation. They can mix it up between 4-4-2, where Gilfie plays as more as a regular central midfielder, or the 4-5-1 where he's just off the centre forward, forward. But either way, he's in that central role and that's where he's at his most effective. He scored the goal against Kosovo in the week when they qualified for the World Cup for the first time. So it's just got a simple message to Everton. Play him down the middle. Don't be yeah. messing about with all this down the wings. But if you do, Chris, then there's no Wayne Mooney in the team, then, is there? That's the problem, isn't it? How do how do they how do they fit them all how do they fit them all in? It's it's a real dilemma. So is the is the ever a chance then? If that's the case, mm. what the journalist is saying is there no chance then that two can play in that same team then? Mate, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't play uh, two. I don't think so. I'd play I'd play Sigurdsson and I'd play people off on either side with a bit of leave Rooney on the bench and yeah. it's, it's a falsehood yeah. to say that Rooney can play as a number nine because yeah. Ronald has said he can I don't think he can no. I don't think he's got the, the right kind of hold up play he's not got the required pace to stretch defences get behind him wonderful brain on him and you know he's, he's great at playing a deeper role but if you're going to get him in the team at all you're going to have to end up playing him as United did on occasions in midfield and I just think that's mm. again he's not quite right for that he uses the ball there it's a different so, skill yeah. set isn't it midfield yeah. he tends to get, get caught in possession quite a bit uh, I, I'd agree with what Chris was saying. And having bought him for forty-eight million quid or whatever it was, he's obliged to play him in his best yeah. position because it's just daft otherwise, isn't it? That, that he he has to take priority in, in terms of selection, and we're not getting the benefits of him at the moment with this, you know, this mix of players behind the striker. So I, I'm definitely in agreement over that. I think what's frustrated me more than anything when watching Sigurdsson play recently, it's the fact that he's getting in good areas still. And he's missing. Sitters to put it bluntly, he's getting really good chances. Yeah, it was a great chance. And, been missed, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. there was one against Burnley, Burnley last yeah, week. Yeah, and right, and yeah. that, regardless of which position you're playing, they, they should be tappings. It's the Burnley one where they side footers. Yeah, is that pressure though? Is that the expectation level has been cranked up a notch or two with recent results? And he's you know overthinking it. He's trying to be too precise. You know, too delaying a fraction of a second yeah. longer rather than being you know instinctive. A week to blame because we're you know howling yeah. from the air from the stands. Yeah, but well, you've got you've got to put you've got to put your best best player or not best your most expensive player in his best position, haven't you? Yeah. Because if you don't do that, you're always going to have that accusation, aren't you, that you're not 
you haven't got the team set up right, and I, I think I put him there and take it from there as, as Kadesha. Would you play up front then, Gav, if he's playing central? Um, our options are limitless, mm. aren't they? So I it's mean, just Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin on the ass, which is not not ideal, is it? I mean, I'm a bit worried at the moment. I, I, I saw something last week said Everton are nowhere near some of their parts, and I was thinking. Not so sure about that. Yeah. Um, I was having a look at the team, and I don't, I don't want to sort of half back. And but it, for, for the money that we spent, I was having a look at the Bernie, the Bernie lineup, which was I can't remember. Ex- you know, it was like Vlasic, Sigurdsson, you know, Calvert-Lewin, Yas, yeah. wasn't it? I think. Um, I think the class and play against Burnley, and, and then yeah. like Snyder and Gay, and then like the back four. And I, I was looking at the team, and I was thinking. That doesn't look a great team. That. And, yeah. I, and I don't. I was. Then I started playing the age-old game as well. If you had to look at Moise's best team, which mm-hmm. is probably say 2007 to 2009, and you had a 20 mid-20s yeah. Jags, mid-20s Lescott, mid-20s Baines, yeah. mid-20s Arteta, mid-20s Pienaar. Kale's a little bit older. Young Fellaini and like a Sahara or yeah. Yeah. Yak up front, and Phil Neville as, as captain, which, which he did a great job of. I was having a look at the teams, thinking how many of that team against Burnley and that would oh, get into Moyes, in Moyes' team. Yeah. The only one I could think would probably be Pickford ahead of Howard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there was Howard's probably peak years at, at Everton. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, for all the money we spent and, yeah. and all that, we haven't got a, we haven't got players in that age range and at the moment playing that well will get anywhere near that, the Moyes' team. Classing that as, as players on the quality, or they had, they were different types of characters, wasn't he in that team? And the likes well, of Kale, etc. Yeah, well, compared we, to what we've got now, we, we spoke about that didn't we, yeah. Kale, the other week about like embracing the club. And and I was just thinking, for all the money we spent, is none of them are getting in anywhere near Moyes' best team. I mean, two of the players are now ten years older, Beans and Jags, yeah. and and I'm thinking that's a, that is a major concern for me because that team was reaching the glass ceiling of fifth, wasn't it? Like you know, miles ahead of like seventh, and, and I mean, so when somebody says, "Oh, we should be doing better," and we're not the sum of our parts, I was thinking, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, the big difference is that that team was the shape, wasn't it? You could. You could see with that team, they were a team, they, they were effective in those positions. We're all asking Rooney, um, 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 Regilfi as well, where yeah. do we put them all in? Um, Sandro Ram, um, Ramirez, where, where do we fit him into the equation? Mm-hmm. I mean, can he not lead the line on his own? He doesn't seem capable no, at the no. moment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. um, there's talent in there, but where do we fit all the pieces of the jigsaw yeah, so together? Do we, do we ask to judge that team, Gav, considering they played a couple of years under Moyes, and Cummins basically had this team thrown together, and there's what well, we've played. Well, yeah, well that's past that's past the problem in itself, yeah. isn't it? Um, which we spoke about last season, we spoke about this season, but just looking look, looking them players on the pitch and the ability that they've shown for Evan so far, I was thinking. I'm not sure. I forgot Ozzy, by the way. And those were probably peak years, probably 2007 to nine. And I just just think there's, there's something wrong, isn't it? Where we spent a lot of money. You know, and last year as well, because Snyder was bought last year, Guy was bought last year, yeah. and the summer. And we're still not anywhere near player for player like Moise's well, best team. Is it, it? Do you think the criticism towards the team and the manager... Is justified at the moment because I look at it. Maybe I'm playing tough as I've got here, but I look at it thinking, yeah, we've it's seven games in, brand new team, and if we win against Brighton, we go three points behind Chelsea and Tottenham. Yeah, but that's only a temporary respite, isn't it? While fixes are being played and stuff, and 
You know, I, I think the big yeah. problem, to be fair, is not being the results themselves, but it's the manner of the results. I mean, absolutely, you know, beaten out of sight at Chelsea, absolutely mm. annihilated. Tottenham at home, that was like such a one-sided performance. Yeah. It was untrue. And, you know, Ronald Koeman admitted himself afterwards he was tactically outthought by Pochettino. Uh, Burnley was bright for 15 or 20 minutes, but then, you know, after the goal went in, it collapsed like a house of cards again. United, again, you know, never looked like going to Peter Beats at that. No, but I mean, just never looked like that. I looked at that, and I just thought to myself, I didn't think Everton played that badly in a way in a 4 0 scoreline. But then when you're speaking to, obviously, a legend like Peter Rees, and he's got a different way of thinking towards Everton than I have, and I went home and I thought about it, and I thought, this is because I've been brought up on nothing. I haven't seen my team win a thing for 20-odd years. And it's a different mentality that fans of this generation are used to. That, and that's what I've been brought up on. Yeah. It's going to Man United, time to hang in there. And he said to me, he said, no, we should be going there to win. And in his book and everything he said this week, it's, we should be going for the top four. And there's me thinking, ah. and that's a different mentality from that team he's been brought up with and the generation of fans I'm used to. Yeah, because I, I listened to the podcast and I think... When he says we should be going to the top four, is that what the players we've got at the moment or the players we, we should have given Machine yeah, as well? I think, I think yeah. he means as a club. So that's different to what like, you know, yeah. Machiri was saying, wasn't he? Like Machiri was saying with the players we spent we got at the moment. We're not expecting us to win. Yeah. Is he not it's being realistic though, Gavin? I asked Machiri yeah, Is he not being realistic and thinking, hang on, this is a brand new set of players here. We can't be going to Old Trafford. And demands and wins. We can't be beaten. And Tottenham finished second two previous seasons. We can't be expected to beat them within a new team. Chelsea, the champions. Is he not just being realistic? I, 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 I don't know. Did the old team last season? Drew at Old Trafford. Drew at Tottenham at home. And yeah, performed mm. much better. And you'd you'd hope that a team, uh, you know, with new additions to it, with players that have cost significant amounts of money, that the, the manager has identified as being improvements on that side. Would be at least capable of matching what had been done the previous season, mm. regardless of you know. So yeah, but then, then teams them have gone; they've kicked on as well. Obviously, Man well, United well, aren't yeah. the same Man United oh, last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He obviously took our best player off us for the kickoff and Sam yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're a better team outright. So we're not playing exactly the same. I just think maybe I'm I'm cautious on what he says. I'm skeptical about it, and I don't think it needed to be said. Moshiri, yeah, what yeah, he yeah. says, I think Moshiri did need to be said. About that, he could have just said, "Listen, we're back Ronald Koeman, and that's it." He did yeah. need to say unexpected wins, etc., etc. But I just think part of it. I just think he's being a being realistic because if you look at the last day of the transfer window when he came on Sky Sports News and talked to Jim White and spoke about the Ross Barkley instance, he said, "I've got to say this is this team will take time to gel. It's not going to happen overnight." And he kept on saying it. Okay, yeah. So yeah. which tells you what he's going to think? Well, what I. Maybe it's just me. I I know Machiri got like a bit of stick for what he was saying, but I thought whether it was meant or not, whether there was like a criticism of Cumin. Listen, Ronnie, I've, I've given you 140 million quid to spend and a load of money last year, yeah. and we're still going to Man United and Tottenham and Chelsea. And, and, uh, I don't know, I think, and, I think because he know, speaks so infrequently, we try to read things into yeah, 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 yeah. every nuance. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just that he's not accustomed to talking to the media you know, yeah. often, So, on, which is probably why he doesn't do it as, you know, more regularly. And on the rare occasions he does, I think sometimes he gets caught out a little yeah. bit and says things that he hadn't intended to say. I think that's all it was with that one. I don't that, think he was trying to send a subliminal message. No, no, that was just implied. Yeah. You know, like, 
you, you couldn't buy that. But I, yeah. just, I, I go back to what Cumin said this time last year when he got interviewed by Gary Lineker that like he expected last year to be around qualifi- qualifying for Europe, which, yeah. which is right. Mm-hmm. So we achieved that. And this year to go into like sort of the mix for the top six yeah. and with the view to then if you do that, getting into the mix for the top four in his third year. But like we did the first part, but the second, Chris, the second yeah. part, we're not nowhere near the ones, yeah. are we? I, I think um, without going down the, the Machiri road and talking about expected losses or anything, <laughs> I think it's the two European results that have perhaps changed yeah, change yeah, things. Really, yeah. it was a really tough run of fixtures Everton had in the Premier League, and like you say, okay, Burnley was the the only one that really st- stuck out really yeah. as an unexpected result. Um, if we're going to go down that road, but the fact that they got turned over convincingly against Atalanta and then. The absolute must win against the, the weakest um, team in the group uh, yeah. upon Limsom at home, just getting the one point from that. I think that's actually a real big part of this mentality now that Everton are struggling with those two European results because they really are having to play catch-up now. Well, that's it. I mean, having actually you know, expended all that hard work and getting into Europe and then with Leon home and away up next, you know, are the toughest team in the group. You know, Their European pedigree is far greater than Atalanta's. It's suddenly, the prospect of being out of the Europe you know, before Christmas is looming quite large. So, you know, whilst Brighton is a very, very important game, I would suggest that the one the following Thursday, Leon, you know, is not quite as important, but certainly, you know, is up there. Um, Leon, I'm not sure how they've started the season, to be honest, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tough, tough run of games. Coming would up. it be a blessing in disguise if he was to get knocked out of the oh, Europa God, League? No. Oh, no, I don't think so. No, no. Not, not if you look at it throughout the season, thinking we haven't got the squad capable of. Hey, what did really say to you last year? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't be. This is what I'm conditioned to think. Yeah. Don't, don't. It's, it's difficult when you haven't yeah. seen your team when a carrot use it from a different. Got to win this. Got to go to Stamford Bridge, expecting to get a result down there. You have seen Everton win the lot, yeah. and yeah. this is what this is what I'm trying to say. I've been brought yeah. up on relegation fights. That's my generation. Listen to trying to get across the fact you're so much younger. As if it's not bad enough at the moment, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. There is a real generational shift, and we won't get too distracted in this. And like I say, the older fans who've seen Everton win stuff. And there's yeah. people like myself and Tony in the thirties mm. who just saw at the very end of all that. Yeah. But then there's people younger than us. Oh, oh I feel sorry generation for them. Of yeah. I feel sorry for them. Anyone under thirty now hasn't seen Everton win anything. Well, it was interesting when I asked Peter last week about what what changed within that mood to think to the players. What made you think that we are we are a good side? And I was thinking, he said, he didn't mention results. So what, what made you think that we could go to Anfield and beat them? And he said, he said, the fans, he said, we don't know what it was. He said, we went to Anfield and we felt it from the Everton end. They, then fans knew. Yeah. But and that, it was weird the way he, said, the way he came across. I just thought, that was a peculiar statement to say. But no, he, he said that because that, that was 1984. And to me, the turning point in that entire thing was beating Watford uh, in the cup final because he had that group of players that were very decent players and, you know, Southampton was obviously a yeah. could so that was a turning point yeah. as well. But they began to believe in themselves. You know, it's all very well talking about having a winning mentality until you've actually gone out there and done it and been winners. And I'm convinced that, OK, Watford, you know, they were a decent side then, but they weren't absolute world beaters. But beating them just made that team of players think, whoa, hang on, we're winners, we've won but something. But then to take it to And Anfield. then took it on, took, beat them in the Charity Shield, remember, yeah. the front. that was significant as well. Yeah. And then went to Anfield. And yet, you know, they started the season badly. And, um, you know, Everson fans genuinely thought they could win at Anfield, but the Everson players did because they were winners. This group of players, you know, not many of them have actually won things. I mean, obviously Rooney has, you know, mm. Schneidlin mm. are winning at United, you know, but 
some of them have got the experience of winning it, but it's got to happen from them. They've got to affect this change. The fans can't suddenly get behind them and suddenly cheer them on yeah, to become yeah. a winning team. They've got to change it themselves. They've got to take responsibility for what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. And it's, it's got to happen quick, otherwise we won't see it. Well, one player who needs to take responsibility, we're going to, obviously going to have to touch on, he's not had the best of weeks, is Ashley Williams, Gav. <laughs> oh. Now, it is... Am I being too harsh and I'm thinking, is he just a scapegoat for Everton here at the moment? Because he's not the only defender in that back four who's not playing the best at the moment, is he? Um, bit of both, to be honest with you. No, I don't, think don't, don't, don't be kind. No, he's, no. He, he's been shocking this yeah, season. And he wasn't, he's made mistakes. Yeah, oh, yeah no, he has. Uh, yeah, he has, yeah, but yeah. he's not been the only one. But so I don't think he should be a scapegoat, but that doesn't mean he escapes from, from criticism because he's just not looked... And it's not the defender. I mean, I know, like, and there's lads in there. He, he, he's, a, he's a Welsh lad and he watches Wales. And he said he's been the same at international level as you yeah. saw on mm. there, as you saw on as a Tuesday night. Well, they tried to blame the goalkeeper for Bill. That's wrong, I yeah. think. He had enough time to get rid of that ball yeah. and didn't. And he didn't exactly, like, sort of pace over at speed to the yeah. touchline, did he? And that's been symptomatic of him all season. And you're looking for Sunday and saying, bear in mind this form, plus, like, on the fact that they're not going to the World Cup. You would say, leave, you him, don't out. leave him out. Yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to take him out of the firing line, especially given the fact that Phil Jagielka Hasn't is available again. again. I mean, I've said all season, I've always wanted him in the side ahead of anybody else. Um, you know, Keane has come in and there, mm. so settled down quite well. But I just think Jagielka is so underrated and has been for so long. Yes, he's not quite you know as quick as he was. Although I saw this wonderful thing this week that. Um, was it Tubes on Soccer AM was doing this uh, this chat with Dominic Calvert-Lewin yes, about yeah. who is the quickest players at the club and he is apparently Calvert-Lewin he's like an absolute lightning right, yeah. and some of the Premier League statistics bear that out but second who's the second fastest player at the club well I know because you said it now yeah. it's Jags yeah. uh, you know so you know his stats still stack up you know. yeah. Roberto <laughs> Martinez said this as yeah. well um, he, he is totally underrated I think even yeah. in the um, in the latest FIFA um, computer game, <laughs> they've put his, his oh. speed stats really low. These kids are getting um, <laughs> yeah. 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 uh, This is the only thing we're used to winning, you know. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this is sort of preconception that Jagielka is is not a fast player, but like you said, he, he's deceptively quick, yeah. and it would seem that the the people at the club are, are bearing this out that you know he's a lot quicker than we think I'm slightly worried that Jags is the second fastest at the club to be honest with you that's the other way of looking at it but over, over four or five yards he is he has got a bit of <laughs> I mean especially since he had done his cruises as well like yeah. you know a few years ago but <laughs> yeah I think but going back to this and point out I think Williams shouldn't be a scapegoat, but he needs to look at himself, hasn't been performing, and it's not in the team. Because I, I look at it and I think, yeah, he's not playing the best and he's getting deeper, that's just due to lack of confidence and etc. But I just think, do you know what, out of that back four, no one's no one's covering themselves in any glory there. I just look at Leighton Baines especially, and he looks like the Leighton Baines... The 30 odd year old Leighton Baines who's playing every single minute of the season. That's what he looks like. I was moment. just going to bring his name up because that seems to have been a recurring theme, certainly amongst some of the fan base pieces that we've done recently. Yeah. A lot of people suggesting that, you know, he's not being the player that he has. Mm-hmm. I've not seen it. I think he's been okay this season. He's been steady without being, you know, scintillating. Uh, he's, got some, he's, got some, pieces, he's got some decent balls in, but maybe not quite as regularly as he used to. 
But you're right that you know the backup for him is virtually non-existent. I mean, we talked about Luke Garbutt this week because he had a good game mm. for the under 23s, yeah, yeah. and you know that appears to be the only you know actual backup for him at the moment. So he's played every minute of every match apart from the Carabao Cup tie against Sunderland. But Mason Holgate was played out of position. So it's again, big volumes. That again, yeah, underlines yeah. Uh, you know an imbalance in the squad and you know a flaw possibly. I, in I that think also with Leighton is. He's one who definitely suffers with the lack of weight, doesn't he? Because he's used to having like PR there yeah. and, and then like Morales for the you know whatever for the year or two. And when he gets the ball now, he's got nobody to. So yeah. initially, he comes, he, like, inside, you know, he comes he? inside all the time. Which which um, when you do now, well, he's not got no opportunity there to do anything really. If that's his, if that's his out ball every game, then that that's a problem for him, isn't it? Really. Briefly, pick your back four for Brighton. Uh, I'm with Preno on Jags. Yeah. I think he. Yeah. Who, I don't know whether you saw this week in one of the nationals today. Was down as one of the five players in the Premier League who needs to justify his fee, which I thought was a bit, really? bit harsh. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, I thought he'd been all right. I mean, that's why he should read local papers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's well keen to be fair. He's suffered as he from yeah. like sort of the crisis of confidence in defence. But he's got to be in. Yeah. Jags, Baines, and I, mean, I still don't have a problem with. Martin I'm 100% in agreement with Gav there um, John Joe Kenny is a promising talent but you know he showed certainly in the, uh, the Europa League game that you know he needs to be handled with you know kid gloves at the moment introduced bit by bit I just think the occasion got him a little bit you know it looked like he was toiling a bit towards the end um, it needs to be managed carefully, you know. So sort of brought on mm. in games where there's no, you know, not as much pressure. I know it's, you know, he's a grown man, and we shouldn't have to treat him that way. But you know, he's inexperienced. And Martina, I, I think he's okay going forward. You know, he had an absolute the back where we need him. Spurs, he was awful, absolutely awful. You know, and Cumin blamed, you know, the the formation rather than the individual for that. But mm. I'm not with him on that. He just had a bad game. But I, I think he's okay going forward. He's decent. You know, Holgate offers something different, I suppose. But you know, he's better as a centre back, I think. Well, I'd, I'd stick with Gav on that one. Is that back four? So let's get the split age split again. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. In general so, consensus, though, want to see Morgan Schneiderlin and just a guy play together in centre midfield. So, which one plays ahead of the other? Well, but, but, do, you, do we agree with our defence, by the way? Um, well, I'd, I'd play Kenny instead of Martin and myself. Chris? I actually got asked about this a couple of days ago and I went for Holgate. Um, for this particular fixture, I just think he's more um, defensive minded away from home. So, for this one, yeah, fair, yeah. Yeah. fair point. Yeah. So Brighton don't tend to, they're, they're like, offensively, they're even... Top striker suspended, isn't he? Yeah. He was done for stamping in the Newcastle game, so that, that, that's a bonus, I suppose. Yeah. Are you playing a guy oh, or so Snyder? Oh, yeah. 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 so it's me on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Guy or Snyder? I'd have Snyder all day long against Guy, because, you know, my thoughts on Guy, I'm not sure whether he's uh, what we need. Uh, I, I like Guy as a player, but he's uh, right off the boil at the yeah. moment. I mean, um, he doesn't use the ball well at the best of times. His quality is winning the ball back and giving it to people that can use it. And he just hasn't done it as well as he can do this season. And some of his shooting in and around the box has been woeful. We've asked him to get forward. So, yeah, Schneiderlin has had a bit of a crisis of confidence recently, but he's just a better player, full stop. I'd, I'd go with Schneiderlin. Chris, are we in agreement that Tom Davis should be getting a start for Everson, a bit of energy in that midfield? He certainly should a, a, a lot of the time, but um, I must confess, but I did pick my team this week. I didn't have have him in there, but um, I think that um, it, 
Tom certainly is a, is a big role for him and possibly for um, the Leon game I'd stick him in for that one uh, it's, um, it's a shame that we've been un- unable to um, that Ronald's been unable to get him in more often because I, I do like Davis yeah Maybe you should have asked you about your team, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just had a chance well, to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I've sh- I really um, shook it up. Um, I, I've, I've maintained Schneidlin and um, Gay in there, but um, what I've done is um, I'm going to go with the two wingers. What are Vla- they? Vlasic and, <laughs> and, and Luckman, and then with um, Sigurdsson off DCL. You're Icelandic, mate. Yeah. Is, um, is Vlasic a winger, though? I don't think he's a winger, is he? It's, it's, it's difficult, really, isn't it? He's one of those yeah. bustling, you know, little, an old fashioned inside forward. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, do you see the goal he scored for the 21s in midweek? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's, he does have that, you know, that the ability of a winger. But no, I think you're right, he, he's probably, I don't think, say another number 10. But, you know, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's, he's better as like an inside forward role. Yeah, I think yeah. he looks more like yeah. a number 8 here yeah. to me. He's very stocky, isn't he? He appears to be very yeah. stocky when I when I've seen because his sister, the um, the high yeah. jumper, is it? I mean, obviously a very different physique, and his, his dad as well with the uh, the cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of it. I remember this. Joey Jones used to play for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. He was playing in uh, he was playing in uh, the old. Georgia or you know Russia yeah. uh, for Wales and he got beat 3-0 remember all like blocking yeah yeah great player I know yeah he's winger yeah. like and he absolutely great player blocking and he, he actually tore Joey Jones apart during the game he scored that trick and they, they got beat 3-0 and uh, um, said, um, said blocking's mum and dad they were like Vlasic like uh, said, and, and said to Joey Jones had a hard time with the with their blocking there, Joe, didn't he? So they said that, that's because his mum and dad were Olympic athletes. Yeah. I mean, one was a dead nurse, and my dad was a van driver. Golden Strucker. Every time I hear like Vlad yeah. is like, you yeah. know, like relatives and stuff, I always yeah. think of that story, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fans at the moment in an agreement that as all Luchman should be getting more of a first team and appearance gap. Are you in agreement with yeah. that one? Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to, that was another thing I wanted to bring up is what is lots of stories playing out at the moment of, well, not lots of stories, incest of other clubs. Is that a concern for us? Is that just paper talk, you know, like, or is it just. No, we've, to be honest, we've, we've not had an opportunity to talk to Ernie yeah. Ronald about this over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think the speculation about clubs being interested in him is founded, you know, because, you know, clubs are interested yeah, in him, you yeah. know, he's a, he's a talented lad. Uh, what we've not been able to ascertain yet are these stories about him being homesick yeah. and whether that's genuine or not um, you know he is a, a young lad who's you know still finding his way in a you know alien city if you like mm. and you know it's, it's an old story you know so do football clubs do enough to you know to integrate youngsters into you know new environments and stuff and we don't know you know we'll investigate that during the, the course of the week um, as regards his talents I, I like him a lot Still not sure if he's ready for you know starting appearances mm. yet he's in the Premier League. Sure, yeah. Concerns me a little bit because the times that we've seen him, um, he's made things happen in the final third, but he's lost possession a lot in the yeah, final yeah, third yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. And Premier League games, you know, can you be affording to do that at a Brighton team that you don't want to get any kind of head of steam up or any kind of enthusiasm going? I'd be inclined to leave him on the bench. I think you know with a view to bringing him on. Um, he hasn't even come on, though, is he? Because he's, no. he's been a substitute for the last like three or four games. Yeah. Hasn't even been brought on. Sunderland, the only game he's been on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look at him and I think he's got bags of ability. And I'm thinking, is he doing enough for me to start a game? 
is he is well, he actually going? Wow, he should be starting next game. If he was doing it on the training pitch, you know, Ronald would be putting him in. That's why Vlasic is you know is playing yeah. at the moment because he's doing it on the training pitch and showing that you know he can be a player. So you know we're not party to you know how he's performing on that training field, but you can only assume that it's not good enough you know to get him on the pitch. Yeah. Chris, you had him in your team, yeah? Yeah, um, I've, I've been impressed with, with Luckman. I saw him play for the under twenty threes when Umani should have had a hat trick a, a month ago against Tottenham. Scored a wonder goal there, twenty yards out. Just think he offers something different at a time when they're yeah. looking for that spark of inspiration. Just that stuff. I just think it's time to to shake things up a little bit, yeah. and then that's why I'd stick him in there. But um, there are, I've like said, there's, there's concerns. Maybe he got too much too soon with scoring so spectacularly yeah, on, on his debut, and that possibly inflated people's expectations of him because it's undoubtedly he's a, a, a great talent but he's still very much a prospect he came from playing third tier football with Charlton Athletic so maybe we're expecting the progress to be a bit quicker than it, it should yeah. pan out and possibly a, even a, a long move out at some point but I think it'd be a great shame if Everton were to lose him permanently and he, he wants to go back to would, London Would Ronald Koeman with the pressure that's on the manager at the moment would he dare play too many youngsters in a significant game like this. Luckman, think, Davis, yeah. Kenny. I look around thinking he may just go with tried and just, yeah. just try and squeeze the results out of the game. Yeah. I don't think he can trust too many youngsters in a game of this magnitude. Yeah, it's only Brighton away, but for Ronald Koeman, it's a massive, massive game. And I'm looking around thinking, I don't think he will play many young. I think Calvert Lewin may be the only one on the pitch. Does that point to playing Schneider and Gay? Yeah, I think he will go with that. I think he'll go defensive. He, he cannot afford to lose this game. I think with too many youngsters on the pitch, there's a lot of fans saying we should play the youngsters, the fearless. I just think it, it could be the opposite. I think he, he may not trust them enough in a game of this magnitude. And I, I, I can see the Luckman shouts and the Kenny shouts, which I'm up for, but I just think with too many youngsters on the pitch of this game, I just don't think it's necessary. We'll go on, we'll wrap it up by going around the table and deciding. And you know what? Have we the season? No. We were very close against Limassol mm. until yeah, they got a free kick in the last minute. Yeah. But, um, I said 2 2 against Burnley. Well, let's all predict a Brighton home win then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I trust we're not going to talk about number 10s then at Brighton. No, we, that'll, that'll, come, that'll come up against Lee on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, we'll go on now. You don't like going first, Gav, so we'll go to Bezo. You're going down there, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what are you expecting to see? <laughs> I'm I'm ex I'm expecting to see a reaction from from, from Everton, and I'm I'm going to go positive, and I'm going to say a one nil win for Everton. Right, clean sheet. I'm I'm going to be even more confident than that because Brighton aren't that good a side. They've got like a bit of a head of steam up, you know, after beating Newcastle, you know, last mm. time they've beaten West Brom at home, but they've got you know a decent striker missing. Um, I just think they'll have a bit too much know how for them. I, th I think. Clean sheet, yeah, two nil, two nil, and a, two a, clean sheet. A What's Phil Jagielka inspired rearguard, uh, you know, yeah. having a comfortable afternoon. Well, the last on, time we kept a clean sheet, the first game of the season, was it? Yeah, Sunderland wasn't it in the Carabao? Well, yeah, in the, in the yeah, Premier League, League Stoke, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, two one Everton. I'm liking it. Yeah. Right, Gav. Last yeah. by no, no I, I was going to go with Plano. Honestly, two nil. Yeah. yeah. Three clean sheets. Yeah. What's yeah. Going on here? yeah. And only because I was thinking about it, you know, Peter Age was about the, the revival yeah. and Howard had a very similar game, didn't he, at Birmingham yeah, at yeah, the start so was, of 1984 after yeah. the Coventry game and, and, and he went away and won, he won 2-0. So I was thinking, going what Chris was saying about most important game of... Yeah, uh, two wins. Two wins, I was thinking, 
Right, same results as Howard. It's sad, yeah. isn't it? We're looking for historical precedents <laughs> already yeah, in, yeah. in October. I, I tell you what won't happen, though, what happened, what happened then on that Birmingham game. We ended up wearing their uh, away kits, in because there was a clash of... Uh, Clash of kits. Oh, well, I think we're a bit more yeah, yeah, you know, professional yeah. these yeah, days, yeah, we yeah, shall yeah. see. Yeah, right, well, stick with us. We'll be back next week uh, to talk about what's happened at Brighton and see, uh, see how close or otherwise we were. Till then, cheerio. <laughs>